When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Young athletes need the tools for success on the field and on the court. And now more than ever, in the arena of business. In the new era of name, image, and likeness, Athletic Architects is here for young athletes and parents to help prepare for your financial futures. Let Athletic Architects start helping you build your house. Visit buildthehouse.com and let's build together. You're listening to the Auburn Express. Powered by the Wall All aboard the AM departure from platform 334. The Auburn Express. We're running on time and expecting no hiccups. Doing the work, hard work, to bring you the best Auburn sports content you'll find anywhere. What's up, War Report family? We are back with another great edition of the Auburn Express podcast, powered by the War Report. It's Thursday, as always. Joining me is Brandy Mack, my girl, and my guy, Auburn Memes. Guys, tonight we're talking basketball. Auburn, the Jekyll and Hyde of, of the SEC. I don't know what to make of this team right now. Auburn uh, went on the road and lost to Georgia uh, pretty handily by 12 points. Uh, Georgia took care of business, beating the Tigers 76-64. to 64, uh, And things were looking pretty bleak. Uh, then, number 13, Arkansas, came to town. And the Tigers won that game by 12 points. So... I want to start. I got a simple question. Which one of these Tigers is the real Tigers? Like, what can fans expect down the stretch? Uh, you know, we talked a little bit off air before we started recording. And Brandy, you made some points about the 2019 team. Maybe not being that great about midseason, but coming on strong. Like, you know, is this team closer to that or closer to the team that we saw lose to Georgia? You know, honestly, I feel like this team doesn't even know who they are. So whenever, Mm -hmm. you know, you say like, what do fans know to expect? I think right now, nobody kind of knows what to expect. And it might be like that for a couple more games. I will say the next, I think it's um, five or six game stretch is relatively easy per se for Auburn. Um, Basically every game leading up to the um, Tennessee game should be um, games that we can kind of test our lineups and, and run if he if Bruce wants to run different plays and whatever it might be. So, you know, I think I think that this team just doesn't have its identity yet, especially on offense. On defense, I would say 
they completely have their identity and they're extremely solid on defense. And we see the same consistent defense almost every game this season. So I'm not too worried about our defense. It's, you know, those really dry offensive spells that we get into, like how we did in the Georgia game and kind of instances where you see the players kind of, I feel like maybe pull back from what they're being told maybe by their coaches. I'm not sure what's going on on offense, but I feel like that's still being figured out and what they look like on offense is a big TBD. And I'm not sure if, if they even know yet, but I think they will when the right time comes. Mm, memes. Listen, which, which one of these teams, which is the real Auburn here? I mean, you're talking about a very stark difference between games, right? Like, uh, Georgia, and I'm, I want to give Georgia credit. They're a better basketball team uh, than they were last year, and they're maybe even better than people were giving them credit for. Uh, but the Arkansas game, like, I, I don't know about you, but I went in with not a ton of hope. Um, and the Tigers looked dominant. Like, you know, what do you, what do you, which side do you think they're closer to right now? Yeah. So for my folks out there who listen to the Lobtown podcast with yeah. me and Ike on there, or Ike and me, Ike and whatever. I insert, I, insert, I, 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 <clears throat> insert middle school English teacher yelling at me right there. I can I. But yeah, y'all would know that we did a little breakdown of these two rosters and the Georgia team as well as the Arkansas team is almost a complete roster reset from what they were last year. Yeah. Now, obviously, Georgia has a new coach in Mike White and Mike White has always been pretty fairly decent at pestering Auburn. But let's remember, Away games in the SEC are tough. I mean, away games in general are just tough to win. We almost lost to the same Georgia team, the worst Georgia team, and a better Auburn team in Georgia last year. I, I, I brought this up in another episode. I'm bringing up this. I will bring it up pretty much any time I get the opportunity to bring it up. Georgia team, that awful, awful Georgia team last year, who lost every conference game but one, which just happened to be to Alabama, Reminder to everybody, it just happened to be to Alabama. It can happen. Like you can, a better team can lose to a worse team on the road. Now, the debate there is was Georgia and Alabama, was Alabama actually better than Georgia? I'm not going to say that. Probably not. I think it's a fairly say Alabama might have been the worst team in the SEC last year, but I digress. As far as what this team's identity is, it is consistently inconsistent. And I will take that a little bit further and just say they are very, very much so playing to their level of competition almost every single game. And that is something that I don't think a lot of us love, but it, it's going to mean this. You're going to win games you shouldn't win, but you're going to lose games you shouldn't lose, which once again goes back to the phrasing I just said, consistently inconsistent. I mean, we're watching this old Miss team right here. There might be all of a couple dozen people in the pavilion tonight, just seeing from crowd pictures people are tweeting. <laughs> It's there's not the like fans. there's some massive home field advantage right there. It's not like it's loud in there, but Auburn's just playing sloppy. They've got Nike balls filled with sand, so that's annoying. But overall, there's no reason that this should be a tough environment to play in right now, but yet here it is, which goes to what I was saying. Uh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose a question to the two of you then about playing up and down to the competition. Is that a player problem or is that a coaching problem? I think it's a coaching problem, mm. in my opinion. Um, so, you know, I actually saw a really good breakdown of how Bruce runs his offensive sets. And they're actually extremely basic, but they're very effective. And it's how he's always ran his offensive sets his entire career. And 
defenses know how to protect those kind of offenses, but whenever you have whenever you have playmakers that can make shots, then there's nothing you can do to stop it, basically. And I just feel like right now we don't have those playmakers. And when you don't have those playmakers, there has to be some kind of adapting that you do. So I think it does go back to coaching and we're not necessarily... It's not the team isn't being coached to kind of the weaknesses that we have on the offensive side of the ball. Wait, that's wait, are kind of saying, how I view it right now. Are you saying that the, the opposing defenses has Bruce Pearl's offense figured out? No, I no, last year there was like a breakdown of his offense and the okay. style of offense that he runs is like an extremely basic style of offense. Okay. But it's very effective. You just have to have guys who can consistently shoot well on your team. And we don't have that right now. And when you don't have that, defenses kind of do know how to figure that out and play to those weaknesses. So I one, like I just think it's we just haven't adapted from a coaching standpoint on our weaknesses. But I think the Arkansas game was a really good example of actually like adapting to the weaknesses for the first time that we've seen. Um, but it, it makes you wonder kind of like, I think he's still messing around with different lineups and different plays is kind of what I've seen from this team so far. Like nothing that I've seen out of all three of our conference games that we've played in so far has been the same game every time in the same scheme almost every time. It's okay. it's different. And I think some of that has to do with Chance not being fully like healthy and fully in the rotation yet and still just trying to figure out, you know, what's the best rotation when we don't have our starters in too. Memes, coaching problem or player problem. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little bit of both here. Okay. So I think we're gonna start with coaching with the fact that the lineups is really, really off right now. And, of course, the team chemistry, which we'll kind of go into that a little bit, which I would say go into sort of the player issue. But the coaching, and you just saw, and I always bring this up, like what we saw versus Israel versus what we're getting right now tells me, and almost kind of very similar to football, that a lot of whatever they were prepping for in the offseason got completely scrapped pretty early on. We saw Treyor almost be the leading scorer in Israel. We saw Chance out there lighting it up. Didn't see a whole lot of Trey. But what we saw versus what we're seeing now is completely different. They were not leaning on Zepp as much as they were in Israel. KD was, I guess he's kind of actually been this. The only consistent thing that we've had is KD. And when I say consistent, I mean his horrific inconsistencies. Because he was having some of the similar stat lines in Israel that he's had all season. High volume shots, low percentage of makes. So I don't think anybody expected the KD fall off looking at his numbers from Georgia and then looking at his numbers last year to what we've got going on right now. Something's up. But also there was that game, was it the, uh, I think it was the Colgate game maybe, where like mm-hmm. KD was missing and it was just like, all right, we really kind of missing KD right now. So <clears throat> you never know what that impact really looks like. But from a scoring standpoint, you're missing you're missing what KD can do as far as scoring, momentum, driving to the ball. Nothing happening from deep from him. Really struggling with th- the three ball. But the rotations are just whack. And just so we mentioned the deal with Chance, how much of that is the, the knee scope, how much of that is in his head or the development, whatever else. Something happened to Treyor where he just is not, not coming in at all. I guess his de- game development's not, not growing and developing at a pace that was to be maybe expected. So I don't think anybody would have thought that out of your three freshmen, the best productivity we'd be getting right now is Trey Donaldson, which I would say is probably average at best for his production for what you would think out of a non-highly, highly, highly recruited Jabari-level type freshman. So you see that there. You messed up on your your 
rotations. And I think you got a lot of guys potentially playing a little bit out of position. Once again, going back to the deal with a chance, or a chance Westry, because they were like, he could play the one, he could play the two, he could play the three. What is his natural, what is his best position? I personally you're, always thought you're kind of leaning, you're kind of leaning coaching problem. No, I, no, mean, just wait, I mean, just you, wait. Start, you started with players <laughs> and then and now you're talking about how the lineups are whack. So. No, it's, no, but it's going to get there though. <laughs> okay. But, and you see the deal here with Zepp, you know, Zepp has been a one and Zepp even admitted on front of the program show Blackerby when Blackerby interviewed him and locked on Auburn. Zepp's like, I haven't, I haven't been playing when, um, Wendell's ankle got hurt. He's like, I'll be honest, I hadn't practiced playing the one like all season. Hmm. So, like, and that was always his position to go back to his college Charleston days. Like, he was a one, he was a point guard. And some of those moments he played in there, I thought was some of the Zepp's best ball of the season. Now, I think when he got. You're talking about last year, right? Whenever he played at the. No, I'm talking about the, the few times he was this year and Wendell was out because of his ankle. Hmm. Okay. When, oh, you'd yeah. see him, yeah. when you'd see him handle it. I mean, that seems to be Zepp's position. Now, I think if you get Zepp and Wendell at the same time, putting Wendell, excuse me, putting Zepp at the two is not an issue, or kind of using him interchangeably up top to see what they can maneuver around with the ball. But then going back to the whole player deal of why well, I think it's a little bit of both, these guys who are playing, just there seems to be just zero chemistry at all. Now, how much of that can you coach? How much of that is just something they got to get going in their heads? I'll still lead a coaching because you you haven't convinced me that you're not all coaching. Yet. But but you're seeing just some dumb. They kind of go hand in hand though. I because I think they do go hand in hand. But you're seeing dumb anyway. decisions. But I'm just saying, like once the stat line that's been very very low for this team all season, at least I felt like it has been, has been the assists, especially right. assists from the point guards. And I'm I'm trying to find some player points to get Mike off my back on this one. <laughs> and yeah, you know, let's remember the days of Sharif. I mean, Sharif was hitting like double digit assists, like just game after game. I mean, Sharif was an assist machine, a facilitator. He made everybody better being in there. I just don't think think. I don't think you see that as much out of Wendell and definitely not with KD and not as much with Zepp. And can I can I interrupt one second? Yeah, get at me. We're recording this while the Ole Miss game is going on right now. And there was just a stretch when Flan and Trey were in, and exactly what Memes was just talking about a little bit earlier with Trey. And he really just lit a fire under the offense. Auburn was down like 19-12, and now we're only down 19-17. And exactly what Memes is talking about with Trey just happened. So and I, just and the irony, the irony of me just, that. and the irony of me just saying that is there was just an assist pass that when I said they're not getting any assists. <laughs> but point of it being, guess what? Auburn got a point off that. So there we go. Okay, so, so let, let me stop. Let me stop. Also, let's, let's like what he said there. too about like Wendell's assists and stuff. His Vegas assist line has been around three and a half all season, and for your number one point guard, that's extremely low. Extremely. Thank you. Okay, well let's just hit pause here because we're at the halfway point of the season. Uh, just in case anybody hasn't noticed, right? Like, so again, when we talk about the 2019 turnaround, we talk about how they kind of got it going midseason and uh, nobody expected much of them. And, you know, Brandy, that was a team that lost like eight, at least eight games, right? Eight or nine games. Uh, so it's about, to, if we're going to see some turnaround, it's about, I think it's about that time. I think that over the next three or four games, we're going to learn what this team is going to be for the rest of the season. Now, um, the reason why, what Brandy, I was feeling what Brandy was saying about coaching, leaning coaching, is is that uh, at some point you just got to know what your team is, and you can't just keep trying to squeeze squeeze water from a rock, right? Like you've got to be able to 
understand what they do well, come up with a scheme that highlights what they do well, um, and uh, you know, put something together that will help them win games. Now, let me ask this. Let me pose another question. Right? Does this team have the tools to make a run in the tournament? Should they make it? Because it's not a foregone conclusion that they're going to make it. I, I think we think they're going to make it, but. You know, you just never, to me, you just don't know which Auburn you're going to get on the basketball court. So, does this team have the tools? Last year's team got stopped by Miami in the second round, right? Does this team have, can they go further than last year's team? You know, you never know what can happen in March. And a lot of it does have to do with the teams that you're put up against and the seating and, and location and all of that. Um, as of like this very no, All right, hold on. We're talking about pause. Don't bullshit me, Brandy. Is this team good enough to make it to the <laughs> third round or not? Oh, man. If you're asking me right now, I would say no, but I want to preface that. Or I want to include, I never count a Coach Bruce Pearl team out. Okay, because all right. <laughs> at the same point in 2019, I would have said like, I'm probably not, but I think our scheduling is set up very much so in our favor right now. And if we can get hot right before we play, Tennessee, or at least figure out what our lineups look like, get Chance fully healthy, like get Trey some more minutes in there. If we can get all of that kind of feeling more confident, like the team needs some confidence too. Like you can kind of see it out there too. If we can get some this team some more confidence and some more cohesiveness before we play Tennessee six games from now and we beat Tennessee and that starts our hot streak going into, I think we play Alabama after that, um, then... I would say potentially, yes. It's all about getting hot at the right time. UNC, who went to the national championship last year, was an eight seed. So, you know, I didn't think UNC was good enough to make it to the national championship last year. But those are the kind of programs and teams you just don't count out. And you just can't count out a Bruce Pearl coach team as like cliche as that sounds like right now. Like I would tell you, no, like this team has serious holes on offense and Okay, you know, that's we can't more of an have answer. Shooting below, we can't have our number one point guard shooting below, you know, 40% consistently. So right now I would say no, but you just can't count out Bruce, you know? Okay, I need, okay. to, I need, right, to, right, I need right. to preach here. Well, wait, hold on, wait, hold on, please. Because Brandy is like, <laughs> if Santa Claus is real, Auburn can make it. Have me the pump. I'm about to pump some right. sunshine because I got something to I say. Some, okay. sun, some sunshine pumps on me. Yeah, I need to keep it real. Sunshine. Okay, do it, do it. Go ahead. All right, you ready for the sunshine? Yeah. Auburn, if Auburn's in the tournament, okay. I don't care if Auburn is a 20 seed in that tournament. I don't care if they got a number that is not even real. Auburn will always be able to make it the third round. Now, Brandon has a point. Always. Should always. Like last year? (laughs) Some things happened, Mike. Some things happened. They shouldn't have happened. Auburn (laughs) fell short. They should have been. Anyway, you play that Miami team. Ten times you beat them nine. But, okay, we're making uh, the tournament. We are making the tournament. I don't care what anybody the, says. We are making. Yeah, the I mean, tournament. if this team, unless it's some implodes, if this, short of everybody getting hurt, yeah, they're in the tournament. Not even a question on that. And the thing is, with this, if you just look at the top twenty of basketball now, I would not say there's any just absolutely transcendent dominant teams. I think this is one of those years to where. And it was kind of like that a little bit last year where you kind of looked at everybody ranked and you were like, this, you kind of felt like anybody could beat anybody. And I think we saw that in the tournament because you saw, I mean, look at North Carolina's run and all these other 
crazy runs we saw from teams do. And it was just a, it was a moment of anybody could beat anybody, which makes basketball in the tournament exciting. I think you kind of see that now. There's not that one just, oh, my gosh, that team's incredibly just there, dominant. They're light years better than anybody else, which, to you know, Auburn can be an advantage for them peaking at the right time. But the deal here, going back, getting a little my, my sunshine going, is the team still has a defensive identity. With a okay. good defense, you I can, can beat anybody. That. You saw it against Arkansas. They show they've shown that they can heat up. Now it's really going to predicate upon Wendell. If Wendell can get hot and he can get above twelve points any game and have a moderately statistically high twelve points, then an efficient twelve points, shall I say? That's going to be it's it's that has shown that when he can get those numbers, Auburn gets real hard to beat because when he's doing that, typically a few other people are right there with them for having pretty strong nights. So Auburn gets to the tournament if they can. Unless you've just got a hellish matchup coming, there's no reason that you should not be able to compete and win at least those. Get to the Sweet 16. I'm not saying okay. get beyond that, but you should be able to get to Game One. You should be able to win Game Two. You should get. You should be able to get to Game Three. That's, I guess, my point. I'm not saying you'd win Game Three. That's when it gets a little tougher. I mean, at that point, is you're getting to be coin flips, but you got to win your first two. I mean, that should be. That should be the thing. Now, the seeding, this and that, when they're going to get there, I don't know. If they, when they get there, because I guess we can't say if and when until it happens, unless it's a hellish matchup, they should be able to do it. And there's no reason you're asking, does this team have the talent to do it? Yeah, like they've got the tools to get to the Sweet 16. They really have the tools, unless unless it's a hellish matchup, to get past that. Now, I do not think Auburn is living anywhere near their potential. I don't think this team is way closer to their floor than they are their ceiling. If that kind of sums up my thought process on this, does that answer that question? That's what, that's my take on it. Yeah. I, I mean, I can buy you. Know, sometimes your best offense is a good defense bunter, I guess. Uh, but, but I think uh, I still think they've got the ability to be better on. Like, I, I do not think that this team's offensive woes are just what it is. Like there is ways there are rooms. There's proven concept just from players we've seen at Auburn, that the offense can get better. Okay. All right. Brandy, had, a little the bit. Te- Brandy had the teacher finger up here. Jump in. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, get so, it. We're, we're, we're preaching yeah, right now. I mean, I, I agree with you to an extent. Um, Auburn is leading the country in blocks, which is really great yep. on defense. Um, yeah, well, I mean, that, that's like a, Yeah, blocks. a bright spot like Janai. Um, he's been a really bright spot of this team so far. Um, one thing that I think would really benefit Auburn and I'm just kind of hoping we get lucky here is, I don't know if everybody knows this or not, but there is a regional in Birmingham this year. And we said this last year, whenever we kind of saw some struggles heading into the tournament, we were like, Oh, not every, you know, game is going to be played in Neville arena. Well, we have an opportunity to potentially play a game in, uh, in Birmingham, which would be kind of Neville arena to us because of how mm. close it is to Auburn. So mm. you know, part of me is like crossing my fingers that we kind of get there because if we get there, that could really be kind of the momentum to start us off with a really good tournament run. So, well, you got to remember though, Neville arena was constructed. It was scientifically constructed. For a home court advantage, right? So now I don't think it's just about it being close. I think the physical Neville Arena gives Auburn an advantage. It is a really tough place to go play. 
Uh, you know, you've heard announcers say, like, listen, these guys don't lose here. They just don't. It doesn't matter how game home streak now. Yeah. Was I that mean, I was saying didn't Kentucky didn't Kentucky at Rupp have the second longest home streak? I think they did. Which I just want to remind everybody who's listening, like Kentucky basketball, Coach Cal, the former blue but the former blue bloods of the SEC. Former. Former, no longer. Yeah, they hadn't been for a while. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't just tonight. It's, it's been that way for a while. It's just another reminder. They lost at home tonight to a really, really not so great South Carolina team. Oh, and like and the reason I'm sad oh, about that is I don't want him to fire Cal. Like I think Cal needs more time. I think they should extend Cal. I think they should build a statue of him to let recruits see <laughs> it. But under that statue, me too. Please keep I'll, Cal <laughs> under under that statue. I want him to have a list of like all the four and five star players. That Kentucky team has had, but I also want next to that the like number of championships Cal's won at Kentucky, just mm-hmm. so everybody can see just like how the massive disparity of talent to championship rate. There is nobody who has a worse talent to championship ratio than Cal and Kentucky. And I'm glad I can be on mic and remind everybody listening. And I hope everybody listening like tells a friend and they tell a friend, just so everybody is constantly reminded of that fact. Because I love, you know, I, I'm going to say this. I love this format. Because, you know, when I'm on there with the lob talent with Ike, like, it's all statistical. We're, like, all serious and, like, getting – and this is, like, I can get in my feels right now. Well, I'm Ma- Ma- thank you for that. Master Troll Auburn memes in no, his feels yeah. right now. Uh, guys, I want to close out tonight talking a little bit um, about Coach Pearl in his – what I want to call his inaugural season after his co- contract signing. Right? So we resigned. Uh, Coach Pearl in the offseason to a eight-year, $50 million contract. That is largely believed to be uh, a lifetime contract, right? So they ca- they called it a lifetime contract. Because that put and, him retiring around 70 if he, let's say, he theoretically retired. If he decides to retire, that, yeah. right? He's um, looking good. I mean, he's keep going. Right. So, you know, how much of this season, what did, what did Auburn need to see from Coach Pearl this season after signing him to a lifetime contract. Now, you know, this is kind of a thing in sports, right? A guy plays his butt off, plays his butt off, plays his butt off. And you hope that one year that you ball out is a contract year because it puts pressure on them to pay you, to keep you. Now, he has consistently built a winner uh, since he's arrived on the Plains. And I think that it was a no-brainer to re-sign him uh, because Auburn has not been a basketball powerhouse and he's taken them to the tournament a bunch made a Final Four, something that's really hard to do in college sports. Um, you know, if you had an idea, what, what, what kind of ending does Auburn need to have to this season uh, to maybe kind of solidify why they paid him that 50 mil over eight years? Um, you know, to me, it's, you know, just make the tournament this season. We just lost a lottery pick in our one of our best players in the history outside of Charles that's Barkley. Fair to the draft as well as Walker Kessler and another amazing player to the draft. So we just lost two very pivotal pieces um, to our team and, you know, expectations, I think maybe were a little too high for some people who did watch Auburn on that Israel trip over there. And I think that for me personally, I'm like, just make the tournament this season. It's a rebuilding year. Aiden Holloway's coming in next year. Just get through the season and make the tournament. That's good enough for me. I don't know what other people's expectations are, but that's kind of part of being a program like, you know, like a blue blood basketball program is, you know, make the tournament and hopefully make a sweet 16 or make a run. But understanding like there are some kind of 
kinks and growing pains and a rebuilding year. And that's definitely what we're in right now. Mm, memes. What, do, what does Auburn need to see? What do we need to see to justify? Or is it already justified, which I think would be an okay answer. Maybe there's nothing he can do it's, to mess this up. It's hilarious because it's like we're in mid-January and assuming Auburn takes care of business with Ole Miss tonight. You, you have like a three-loss team and everyone's like, man, they suck. Like, I mean, what a what a what a novel suck. thought. I just said they're not good. <laughs> what a, what a novel like what a novel thought that really is to just be like <laughs> that's just thinking of Tony Barbie. But Auburn has to do what they've consistently done is just showing, and when I say consistently, like under Bruce in the most recent years, is just showing that they can be a steady, nationally present brand, staying ranked, staying relevant, winning big games, continuing to do their thing. Sick dunk by Dylan. Just saw that live. Oh, yeah. That was people awesome. listening know what I'm talking about. But c- continue that relevancy because here's the thing about it. What is ma- what matters is how you're imprinting onto young players and potential recruits. And let's be real here. Kids who are playing basketball right now in high school, middle school, that age where they're watching these games religiously and they're looking up to these guys and they want to make those highlight dunks. They want to be on Sports Center. They want to make it to the league. They are too young to remember how bad Auburn was under Tony Barbie. And they're sure as hell not old enough to remember a team like Indiana that their dad or grandpa is telling them about. Like, what is happening now is relevant and to these guys. And these kids, like, they don't see Auburn as a like new blood. Like, for their age of what they're able to remember in basketball, Auburn has always been a relevantly national team. You've got to keep doing that. Stay in the tournament, stay ranked, stay on the news, just be present. And, and don't you get do that by Bama. Well, always. But you will continue <laughs> to you'll continue to get those guys in there as long as you just stay up top. Show that you're not a flash in a pan. Show that it's not just a team of destiny model, which y'all have heard mm-hmm. me say that phrasing. A yeah, I'm bit. tired of that. So, yeah, and just be on up there. But I, I think the interesting thing is going to be for this team is you've – and I don't know how COVID years and things like that are going to work. But you've got a – unlike last year, you've got a handful of seniors on this team. So, I mean, it's just – COVID years out of it, because I don't even know how in the world that stuff's even going to work right now. You got Jalen, who will be gone. You will have Flan, who will also be gone. You'll have Stretch, who will be gone. And then, it's not a scholarship, but, you know, Lior, dear to our hearts. And then you'll have a, a handful of juniors who will also be seniors. So then you got to wonder, too, are some of these guys going to – are we going to see guys transfer out? Are we going to see guys transfer in? And I think – one little bit of growing pain that we had this year is, and I don't know what the scholarship ban looks like or when they're going to force that from the whole NCAA stuff. That was a, you know, how I feel about the NCAA. I won't get up on that soapbox right now, but you know, all my homies hate the NCAA. What's going to happen for who comes in and who goes? And obviously we mentioned, um, we got the, well, you just said it. I totally blanked on his name. What's his name, Brandy? Aiden. Holly. Aiden. Holly. Yeah. Yeah. Hell. I was like, you just said it five minutes ago. I totally <laughs> just had a brain fart. But the lack of transfers, because we saw Broom immediate impact. And I think Broom has lived up to the potential that everybody thought he might have. But who else are we going to see? Are we going to see somebody that's like fairly veteran on this team potentially transfer out? Who do we bring in there? And I think that's going to be one of the keys to this team. Oh, you losing Zep too. How can I forget? Zep's like 28 years old. Um, <laughs> so there's going to be a lot of spots on this roster. And that's going to be real interesting to see how they fill those out. So in theory, that would mean your senior class next year would be Kate. If everybody stays, would be Katie, 
Wendell, mm. Chris Moore, mm. uh, and then uh, Cardwell. Okay. So, I'm not so sure everybody stays. I I'm that and that's you know there's there's some, that's part there's, of re- that's part of recruiting these days is convincing yeah. guys to come back right like there's some we, debate we there need a, we need a shooter and we need a yeah we need yeah. a consistent solid shooter that's something we didn't get in the transfer portal this go around and a lot of people kind of speculated when we didn't get one that there was a reason behind that and so I don't know maybe Bruce has something in the pipeline that we just don't know about and that's yeah, very and- likely. And my thing on that is always trust Bruce. I'm never going to not trust him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's proven beyond. I mean, even that, even in, I guess the point of what Mike was saying about with this record and everything, like even in a down year for Bruce would be like one of the best years ever prior to Bruce's arrival. Correct. Yeah. Like, you know I what I'm mean, saying? Like, yeah. We, yeah, yeah, in a bar year. Yeah. If we went, if we started 12 and three. It'd be like, whoa, what's happening oh, on Yeah. The Barbie and like Lebo and all that. Like, people, would have been absolutely lit. Like, oh my gosh, like Auburn's ranked. Like, I mean, it would be, it would be like insanity. <laughs> and now we're kind of like, oh, we're only, you know, barely in the top 20. What the heck? Or top 25. I mean, top 20. That people are mad about it. So, like, that's the, that's kind of the beauty of what Bruce Pearl has done is he's raised Auburn's floor so high that, like, there's like a disgruntled feeling when you're like just in the top 25, but not the top 20. So, to say what Auburn has to do, like I think they're doing fine. Yeah, that the team is probably not, unless there's just some crazy 2019 level miracle, just turn around, light bulb go off, magic moment. They just need to be consistent enough to stay relevant. Get in the tournament, win a game or two in the tournament, make a decent run in the SEC tournament, and just stay relevant. Try to stay top five in the SEC. That would be my goal in the season. If you stay top five in the SEC, everything else will kind of follow suit with that. And yeah, I mean, I think it's a pipe dream to say you're going to win. I mean, that's these tournaments, but you're probably not going to win the SEC regular season. I, 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 my money right now is going to be on Tennessee for that. I think Tennessee is the best team in the SEC right now. Me too. I mean, I'm not going to say anybody else is. If y'all get my drift on that, um, <laughs> bunch of, there's some there's some one trick ponies out there who aren't going to be named who are getting exposed soon. You heard it here first. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm, well, I'm done on that. Uh, I think that as long as Bruce Pearl is at Auburn, you can count on him to keep Auburn relevant. Uh, certainly, we are relevant here. Mike Mack and Memes coming at you guys on a Thursday. I want to thank uh, my people for joining me. We're going to be back next Thursday to talk about uh, a lot of things happening in, in Auburn sports right now. Recruiting, the portal is on fire. Uh, plenty to talk about. We're going to be back next Thursday to cover it all. Guys, we'll be back at you, as always, for you. Eagle.